Good evening, everyone. Calvary Cafe, I'm, I'm there. I'm down with that. I don't plan on sleeping tomorrow night. Got espresso, cappuccinos. Not going to have macchiatas, though, because you don't have chocolate or something. You said coffee and milk, and that's it. No, we got flavor syrup, so we got some chocolate syrup. Oh, cool. That is awesome. That is awesome. Real quickly, before we get started, um, I wanted to try to get something started here on my Facebook page. Uh, but hey, if you don't know who we are, my name is Brad Miller. My wife is Melissa. She's back there in the sound booth or in the uh, sound department with Kevin. And we are missionaries, as Pastor Rob said, down in the Amazon jungle. And it's an interesting place to live, to say the least. It's hot and it's humid, and there's lots of bugs, lots of chameleons and, and other lizards and all kinds of things they like to catch, sloths. But... Uh, I want to try to get this up here on my Facebook. Is it time to, hey, if you're watching online, just give me a minute. I'm trying to get this linked over to my own Facebook page. I don't see how to do it, though, Kevin. Bring the phone back. I'll take care of it. Here, take that back to him. All right, so I grew up in Marysville, Kansas. It's just outside of Topeka, Kansas, which is just outside of Kansas City, about two hours. Um, I grew up uh, in a Methodist church, and my wife, she grew up in Nebraska. She was up in, uh, close to Fairbury, which I know you guys probably don't know where that's at either. It's a real small town. She actually grew up in Diller, Nebraska, had all of 200 people. I think she had 14 people in her, in her senior class, um, and yeah, yeah, had a thumbs up back there on that. Uh, when I became an adult, uh, she wanted to, and we started having kids, she wanted to have the kids raised in church, and, and so I didn't really want to go to church. I wasn't, although I'd raised in church, I really didn't like going to church, and uh, we started going back to the Methodist Church in Topeka, Kansas. Um, when, in uh, 2003, 2004, we moved to Diamond Bar, California, uh, and we started attending the Bible college out there for Calvary Chapel. Um, and we were out there about seven years and then we got down into the Amazon jungle in June of 2011. What happened to me? Everybody wants to know that. They have two questions mainly when they start talking to us. How do you know you were going to the Amazon jungle? And other question is, how did you know God was calling you? Those are kind of two different questions we have, and I just want to give you a real quick rundown on that. I was from a background of alcohol and drugs, and I had been sober about 10 years, and I was attending these meetings. I won't say what the meetings are here, but I'm, I'm sure everybody knows what the meetings are. And one time I had a guy ask me if I wanted to come to his Bible study. It was a guy from one of the meetings. And I said, yeah, sure, I'd like to come to your Bible study. After all, you know, I, I read my Bible in my home, and I was a leader in our Methodist church. And there at that Bible study, this evangelist was there. Um, I don't know if you've ever met an evangelist. Uh, they won't take no for an answer. And he, one of the first questions I remember him saying was, Brad, are you born again? And I didn't understand what he meant. Now, you see, I, I'd known all of the, the stories in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I'd read the Bible several times, but I didn't know what he meant. And he told me, if you die tonight, you're going to hell. And I was mad. And I gave him my list of reasons why I wasn't going to hell. I, I, I had my family. I had two kids. They were in a Christian school. Uh, all the neighbors liked us. Um, you know, I even read my Bible. And after all, in the end, I'm an American. Of course, I'm a Christian. And he said, no, if you die tonight, you're going to hell. And a couple weeks later, as I, I, I stomped out away from him, I left right in the middle of the Bible study mad. I think I was steaming um, because he tried to tell me that I wasn't saved. And 
A couple weeks later, I fell to my knees. I knew that what he had said was true, and I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit entered my life that moment, and all kinds of things changed immediately. Our whole world got turned upside down. A couple years later, we were attending a small Calvary chapel in Lawrence, Kansas, and God spoke to me, and he said, to me, you're going to the Amazon jungle. He didn't say it in words that I heard, but it was in a, in a vision. And so that's when we moved to California. We started attending Bible college to prepare to go into the mission field. We arrived in Manaus in June of 2011 with just our suitcases. I was telling Rob on the trip up to the castle that we had sold everything we owned. We had $14,000, a whole life, and we had $14,000 in the bank. And we had a, a Toyota minivan. And we were going to keep the Toyota minivan because we figure, hey, you know, when we come back from Brazil, we're going to need a vehicle to drive around with. And God had said sell everything. We were sure that he had said sell everything, but we thought, hey, it made sense, you know. Um, and so we were going to keep the Toyota minivan. And we drove it back to Kansas to raise the last little bit of support before getting on a plane and flying out to uh, Brazil. And in Kansas, I think it was the second day there, I took it off the main road on a gravel road and then it turned to mud and I burned the transmission up and it wasn't worth anything. And we sold it for $750. Got it on an airplane and flew down to Brazil with, with suitcases. We went down there to help another Calvary Chapel church plant. We didn't speak the language. We didn't have anything, um, you know, that was really pre-set out to do, and the Lord started blessing the ministry. I have more. I'm open for questions later, but let's get into some pictures. Um, let's start the uh, slideshow there, Kevin. Wait for a second for that to get up there. Oh, we're up on the third one already. All right, so. This is our family in our ministry boat heading, this was when we were heading out of the, the uh, village in January, on January 4th, I think. As you can see, we were not wearing coats. It is not hot there. Um, go to the next one. <laughs> this is inside the small church up there. Now, in the jungle, when we arrived in 2011, there were six people counting children that were attending the service. We're, we, were, we came in behind two Wycliffe missionary ladies that had gave their whole lives 30 years and they had translated they learned the language first after they built relationships with some people then they translated all the new testament and some of the books of the old testament genesis exodus and about 50 of the psalms and then Wycliffe retired them and they were you know getting up in age also and they turned the ministry over to us uh, there was a year between the time when they quit coming in and, the, and before we actually went in. And in so that, that year's time, there were some various other people heard that these Wycliffe ladies had left and, and they started, these other pastors from other denominations started to come in and try to take over. And there was a real rough time. And by the time we got there, there were six people, including the chief and children, coming into the services. They would not do more than one service a week. I couldn't get leadership training going on. Um, I tried to talk to them about talking to their neighbor, inviting their neighbor to come to church. 120 people in the village. They said, uh, we, don't, we aren't going to do that. And I said, well, how about the village next door, 10 minutes down the way? And they said, absolutely not. We will never go down there and evangelize. We'll never go tell them about the Bible. And we started in those conditions. We do have a house in the village that we stay in when we're there. Let's go to the next um, photo. All of these photos were from Christmas and New Year's when we were up there. This is uh, Don Maguinho. He's one of the leaders now in the church. Up to the next one. And let's go to the next one. On every evening that... Let me skip forward to now. When I go in there now, every morning I have leadership training. And I have, at first we just had three guys and we had one leadership class a week, but now we have leadership class every single morning that I'm there, Monday through Fridays, and they start at eight o'clock. The guys are there right at eight o'clock. And then it usually gets over around 11. And I teach them how to study the Bible in a way that they can teach it expositionally and preach. 
and I use their notes, and it's in the, the, the Aputina language, and use their notes, and then that night, every night of the week, we have services where I use their notes and show them how to use them to preach and teach. Um, when the chief is in the village, because he's not always there, he's the chief of the chiefs of the whole area, so he's always out of the village. But when he's there, we have Genesis studies, and this is uh, one of the nights of the week where we have Genesis. I bring in a projector, and I download, you know, stories and with pictures of, of the people and, and, and the stories in Genesis, and we're teaching Genesis. Now, they had never heard the Bible before. They'd helped with the translations, but they'd never, just, just a few of them had helped with translations, but they had never heard the Bible before, and so all of this was new to them. Um, let's go to the next one. All right, so these are some of our leaders. The, the, the man in the red, his name is Pedro. He is, uh, he's very intellectual, but he was bit by a snake a few years ago, and let's back up. Can we back up? Uh-oh, what happened here? Oh, I know what happened. Go forward. All right, so this man here in the green, uh, that is Oscar. He's the one that, he was our first disciple that we started working with, him and his wife, and he is now the one that runs the church. All right, so let's go to the next one. All right, this is uh, Valdeses, Oscar's brother. He's the deacon in the church. Let's go to the next one. Here's Pedro. He's, into, he's, he's pretty sharp um, and deep in thought. He helped with the translation of the Bible. But he was bit by a snake a few years ago, and then he almost died. And then after, the, when he was in the hospital still, he suffered from high blood pressure. And now he can't stay focused for more than about five minutes. But he's still one of the leaders in the church. Um, he doesn't do any preaching. But man, he's full of wisdom. Let's go to the next photo. And this is Don McGinnio. Uh, he is also one of the leaders. He's also the treasurer of the church. Let's go to the next photo. This is Nilza. She helps with children's ministry. Children's ministry with Haimunda. Now on to the next photo. All right. This young couple here, Guilherme and Elsamada. Let me get up to there. Guilherme and Elsamada. In July of last year, I baptized them both along with uh, a couple, a few other people. They are a new married couple. We started talking with them and working with them about a year, a little over a year ago, and he started really showing depth, and then he wanted to be baptized, and we went through baptism classes. He got baptized in uh, July, and... I believe he's going to be the first pastor of the church. If he keeps going on the path that he's going on, he will be the pastor in about a year, year and a half, I believe. Um, let's go to the next one. And so I gave him a Sunday morning while we were there. This is the first time he ever preached. And I tell you what, he had a sharp message. He had a really good message. And next one. And next one. I think another one of me preaching. And the next one. All right, so this is the congregation now. When we got there in 2000, in 2013 in January on our first trip into the village, there were six people. After about six months, we had about 10. After about a year, we had 15 or so. And it's slowly grown. And now we have services of about 60. Um, in the evening services, this is a Sunday morning. Uh, on evening uh, services, we usually get around 70 or 75. There's more people show up for the Genesis with the photos and, and stuff. Let's go on to the next photo. So last year or two years ago when we were back here, maybe some of you remember when we came, that was the first time we'd ever met you guys and met Pastor Rob and Rebecca. And um, when we went back down there, Melissa's home church sponsored and bought a ministry boat. And it happened to be that when we got down there, after the furlough up here, we started building this boat, and we went into the village, and the Indians, who I was afraid were, we'd been up here for nine months, I was afraid we are going to go back down and they'd be all, you know, discouraged and stuff. And we get down there and they're saying, hey, when can we go out and start sharing the gospel with some other villages? 
And I said, hey, you know what? We got a ministry, but we can do that now. Um, and so we started visiting the other um, villages in the area. There's three immediate area, and then there's another one farther out that we went to. And in July of last year, this village, which had six people coming, when we go in there once a week, there would be six people gathered around. That number is a common number, it seems like. But uh, they would be gathered around to hear the word. But in July of last year, the chief's daughter, who was 12, got bit by a snake and died. And so when we were in there on that trip, he begged for us to come back and do a church service. And, and the chief never attended the Bible studies when we were going in here. So we had, came back and we did a church service, and we taught the Bible, and Melissa evangelized. It was the last day or so before we took off and came back to the city. And the Indians don't respond the same way as you guys do. If Pastor Rob gives a real good message and the Holy Spirit's moving, and he says, raise your hand if you want to, you know, recommit or, or if you want to, uh, if you've never received Jesus, a person up here in the States, you know, they're quick to do that. But up there you do that and everybody, and there's crickets in the background. Nobody moves. And so we left the village and Melissa had done this great um, sharing the, the gospel message at the end and called people to to turn to Christ, and we left and nobody responded. And we just thought, well, you know, let's see what happens, you know. We felt like God said to do that. And when I went back in in October, I, I was riding the slow boat. Oh, I should back up. I get on a boat and it's 40 hours up to the village. And the boat goes for 40 hours, right? And you ride the, and you're, and you're in hammocks. And so all the, you know, you're swinging when the boat's swinging and getting wet when the raining, you know, and stuff. And, and on the boat trip up there, and, and we tow our ministry boat behind. And then when we get up there to, into the area, we arrive at one in the morning. We load everything into the ministry boat. We get in the ministry boat and we release from the big boat. And although it's only going pop, 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 it disappears really fast. And then we take off, and it's about another hour back up into the, up in over a lake and way back up into a reserve to where we get here. So we're on the big boat, and we're heading up there in October, and a guy's saying, hey, are you the pastor that's ministering up there in the Indian villages? I said, yeah. He says, you know, the chief up there, he's been talking, and he says that they received Christ and that they've been watching God move in their village, and that it's just awesome seeing God work. And I was like are you sure you're talking about the same villages where we're working? And, and we get up there, and I stop in the village, and the, and the chief of the village, which was always lackadaisical about it before, he runs over there, he's, Brad, Brad, you're going to keep coming back here. You're going you're gonna to come back here and do more services, aren't you? I said, I am, I am. He says, man, I've been around telling everybody. He, and, and they have these, like every month and a half, they have all of the chiefs up and down the river have Powwows, I don't, they don't call them powwows, that's an American term up here. But they have these powwows where all the chiefs get together, and he's in there telling all of them about how they all received Christ and the whole village accepted Christ. They got the Bible, they believe the Bible, and God's doing miraculous things in their lives. And I said, wow, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, so, yeah, we're going to come back. And so we start planning a church on that trip. And so now, let's go to the next one, and the next one. And so this was the first, I believe the first church service. It, I may be wrong about that. But we have about 25 people that are commonly coming to the church service now. And the village, this second village has about 50 people. Let's keep going. This is the chief's wife and one of the chief's sons. Uh, they received Christ on this day. They asked us specifically. They did not respond like the majority of the Indians we meet do. They pulled us aside and said, we want to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so we led them to Christ on this day. And this is uh, the Bible translated. Um, it has their hymnal, Genesis, Exodus, the 50 Psalms, and uh, Jonah there. And we also have the New Testament that I'd already given them. Let's go to the next one. This young lady's name is Solange. Right? 
Pray for her. Please pray for her. Let's go on to the next one. Um, and this is, uh, this is Solange and a bunch of kids. I don't know if they're all hers. What? It's a sister and a bunch of kids. We were up here this day just visiting everybody in the new village. We went to every house and all these girls gathered together, but the husband of the house, he would not come up. He's not a Christian. He would not come up there while we were in his house. But Veronica wanted to give a testimony. And so, hey, Veronica, give a testimony. And she started talking about um, how God saved her one day when a, when a car was going to run her down. And, and, um, and then she told a story out of the Bible. I, I forget which story it is now, but... but huh? What story was it? The 5,000 people that got fed. That's right. She was telling the story about Jesus multiplying the food. And uh, this is Solange. Her, the sister was not in this photo. Solange was with a group of four women the day before, two days before this, that grabbed Melissa when she was walking by one of their houses and said, Dona Melissa, Dona Melissa, can you please show us the road that leads to Jesus Christ. And so Melissa's like, well, yeah, come on back. And, and we brought them all back, and we shared the gospel with them, and with many tears, three of them accepted the Lord. One of them crying out, I don't know how he could possibly forgive me for everything I've done. But Solange says, no, I don't want to. And then we're at her house this day. Veronica's given a testimony. She's crying. And we offered her to come to Christ. She said no. Um, but pray for Solange, please. Let's go to the next one. This was the day we were leading the, four, the, the three of them to Christ. Uh, Solange's in the picture there, too. And immediately after. Now, the girl in the middle with the red. Uh, the next photo, please. The girl in the middle, not Melissa, but the other girl in the red. She's 14. Um, she's been married. And she does not read or write. Uh, but she's been coming to the Bible studies and wants to know more. And so I don't think at any of these three women, none of them can read. And so we're trying to figure out now when we get back down there how we're going to have services or, or leadership training and stuff in the new village where Melissa can work with these women and none of them read and write. Now let's go to the next one. All right, so this is the congregation up there now. It started with six people. Um, I would say that maybe nearing half of these are actual are Christians that we are sure of, and the others believe they're Christians, they come to church. Does anybody know anybody like that? Um, I hope that everybody that believes they're a Christian is a Christian, but I thought I was a Christian at one time, and I wasn't. Pray for these people, please. Let's go to the next photo. We do have some fun. Sometimes we go fishing. This is Oscar, the guy that leads the church in the main village. Benjamin caught the biggest fish this day. These fish can get really big, two and a half meters long, you know, seven and a half feet. Um, but Benjamin caught the big one this day. All right, next one. So over Christmas, we had a children's choir. They'd been working with the children in the, um, on the Saturday Kids Club. And so we had an extremely large amount of kids this day. And they, they were singing, this is for the Christmas service. Next one. This is Women's Study, which meets every Friday afternoon. It's led by Haimunda, who's in the red there. On this day, because we were there, Melissa was teaching, and Haimunda was translating into a pudina. Next photo. This is the Kids Club on Saturday. Melissa taught during that one, too. Next photo, please. And Haimunda's here, too. Um, next photo. And this is what I do. This is the leadership meetings. We normally average seven people. I write the scriptures up on the chalkboard in their language. Uh, next, next photo. And there's Pedro and um, Marissa, the 14-year-old, and Domaginio. Next photo. And there's Valdeses, the deacon. Emerson's the, the, one of the sons of the other village. Um, I think that he'll probably be right away be a leader in their church. Uh, next photo. And so 
I write the, the scriptures up in their language, and then we work at them translating it into a Pudina for me, and then to Portuguese, that's right, from a Pudina to Portuguese, and then I know what more of what it's saying, and then we can teach them in an inductive Bible study way to, to which words they need to be looking at and, and pull out, and so all their notes are in a Pudina. Um, let's go on. Uh, Josiah is climbing the tree to get a coconut here for us. Uh, next one. Benjamin's friends and the girls and all the kids. Next one. Also, we, uh, this day we're giving out reading glasses. Uh, we have one ministry down in Florida that's donated this big eyeglasses kit. And so we're able to minister to people that have trouble reading or walking. On to the next photo. And the next one. Over Christmas, we did the, something we'd never done before. We took up food bags, and we gave a food bag to every family in, in both villages. The next video, or next one. And this is us uh, filling the bags up. Next one. Here's Sandra. This is Domaguinho's wife helping. Next one. So when we're not doing the services, we have three-hour services in the morning. We have services every night. We're around visiting people. And this is what we do. We sit there and we talk with people. We share the Bible with them. They're just hungry for the Word of God. It's not like here in the U.S. You don't have to knock on the door either because as you can see, there's no walls on it. <laughs> and so this is Valdeces and one of his brothers. This is um, that I think is probably be another deacon here in the near future. Um, um, Armando, next photo. And some kids. And this is Domaguinho's house. And normally the kids don't like this baby. They don't like to touch me. And I could never tell why. I mean, you know, they, they're running down, and a lot of times they don't have any clothes on. And they're running down the path, and they come by the house, and they're just fine. But when I say, good morning, they, they're like a deer stuck in the headlights. And then they, ah, and they run off the other direction. But on this trip, I shaved off my beard and mustache. And all of the kids let me hold them. <laughs> I'm not ever, ever going to have a beard and mustache when I go in there again. I had no idea. Well, the Indians don't have beards and mustaches. They don't grow hair like that. Next photo. Hey, have you ever felt like you've had some, something pulling on you? It's like, <laughs> hey, come over here. Do this. Next photo. <laughs> this girl wanted my hat. She was all interested in my phone. So what we do is we, we take pictures and then we show them the pictures. Next photo. That's her. You see her teeth. She eats a lot of sugar cane. Her teeth are getting rotten. But they're still baby teeth. Um, and last photo. That's the photos I have to show this morning. Or this evening. Uh, we'll, Melissa's going to be coming up here and she's going to be talking a little bit about the stuff that, uh, some of the things that we do in the city. Um, we have a ministry philosophy. And that is that we go into the Indian village for two to three weeks. We do focus, like conference style teaching, but focus for every single day of the week. And then we leave so that they are forced to run their own church. If we stay there, and this is what many missionaries do, they stay there for months and months and months at a time, and they build up leadership. But as soon as the, the missionaries leave, everything falls apart because the Indians, just a minute, young lady, I'll answer your question in a minute. Um, the Indians don't ever take responsibility for the ministry. But in the fashion that we're doing it, they are taking responsibility. And so we come back into the city. We want to be up there with them, but we don't want to hinder their growth. So we stay in the city for about five weeks, and then we head back up, and we spend another two to three weeks with them. And so when we're in the city, we're preparing for the next trip, and we're doing some city ministry. So Melissa, why don't you come up here? Let me ask, what's your question, girl, honey?
Oh, you like this necklace? Well, you know, this is a really neat necklace because one of the chiefs of a village up there, when we were out visiting the, the various villages in, the, in that reserve, pulled us aside and said, hey, I got a present for you. And he had made these necklaces for us. And I will talk with you individually about them, uh, but not here from the pulpit. Um, <laughs> Melissa, you have share some. Okay, so when we're in the city of Manaus, Brazil, and not in the jungle, Manaus is a very large city, we attend a church there. Okay, and so we have made relationships in the, ch in the local church there. We've come alongside the ministries that the church is participating in and helped in various different areas over the years. And in the last year, we've pulled out of some of those city ministries and really focused on the village and preparing for the next trips and not doing as much in the city. But last trip that Brad went in over Christmas and New Year's, I went with him, and so did the kids. But the trip before that, I was home in the city, and um, God had been laying something on my heart heavier and heavier and kind of kicked me that, yes, we're going to go forward with this. And Brad was excited when he got back and, and was, was on board. I really didn't do anything, but I had the vision um, in his absence that we were going to do a medical outreach there in the city. I had been waiting. God had blessed me. Um, with resources for our medical outreach, and I had been waiting for someone to organize it so that I could come alongside and help. Waiting for a Brazilian to organize this, and it wasn't happening in the time frame I wanted it to happen in. So God showed me that in spite, I still struggled with language, but in spite of my weaknesses, that he was going to come alongside and, and help me with this. Our pastor in the, in the church was on board. He was excited about it. God showed me um, where it was going to happen. We are a larger church in the city. And we have two smaller churches that we support until they're financially stable to be on their own. And I had visited one of the smaller churches that we have come alongside before and shared it about our ministry there. Um, shared about the ministry in the interior there at the smaller church and I was there for an activity every October they have Children's Day which is a really big deal in Brazil and so I was there on a Children's Day and I was like they have a heart for the community we need to outreach to this community bless the a very um, impoverished community around the church help this little church to grow because these people the Christians in the small church there have a heart to reach out. They have a heart to do the follow-up, to do the, um, we had 45 people request for home visits after the outreach, and they will go and do that. They will disciple the new people that are coming into the church. I don't want to go and evangelize an area and then not have somewhere for those new Christians to grow. And so this just seemed like God put it on my heart that the, this would be a great fit. And as well as blessing the community, blessing the small church, it was going to be a way that our bigger church could come together and get volunteers. We had a, a group of about 70 volunteers between the two churches that put this on. And we took people from our youth group, we took people from the prayer ministry, we took people from the... Um, from the evangelism ministry, we took people um, from the soup ministry, we took people from different areas of our church and they came together and worked together as, as a team. And the largest mini team and the big team was our prayer group. And we attempted for everybody that walked in the door that they would be offered prayer before they headed out, one-on-one -on -one evangelism. And we had a, a program um, that was sharing the Christ and singing worship songs during the majority of the time there. Um, we had a, 422 people walk through the doors that we were able to share with. We had 220 people be seen by physicians. I had four Brazilian physicians that showed up. It was a great team. We had um, dentists there that didn't have the equipment to do repair on teeth, but they were doing education on how to brush and prevent 
um, dental problems and they were doing fluoride care with the kids and the adults that wanted it. And there were over 220 people seen by the dentist. We had, um, oh no, that was the doctors. 120, 36 were seen by the dentist. Brad was heading up, giving out eyeglasses with our eyeglass kit that we were blessed with. He saw over 160 people. There was a massage therapist there. We were cutting hair and doing eyebrows for the women. And we had a pharmacy and a laboratory. And um, it was great. We had 11 people accept Christ for their first time. And we had two people recommit their lives. Um, and I'm excited to get back and see what the effect in that little church, what's, how many people are coming back and how their congregation is growing and who's really um, digging in and growing with the Lord. So we're really excited about that. The, everybody that was involved is excited to do it again um, in our church. So we're looking forward to planning something in June or July. I just thought it was great. I've been involved just a little bit with medical outreach with different American groups coming down. And it was neat to see the people in the Brazilian church mobilized to help outside the doors of the church. They're able, and, and they came together, and they got volunteers from, it was, it was all with people in our church. It was just such a blessing um, to see the group come together. And so I wanted to share with you guys about that. I thought it was flowing. No. No. Okay. Do we have a video to show us that? Yeah, we have the video ready to go whenever you're ready to start. Okay. On this. Yeah, we can just scroll the pictures while we're asking. Oh, does it not have sound? Um, no, it wasn't hooked okay. up to the sound. All right, so this is just going to be photos from the medical outreach. To explain what, show a little bit about what we were doing. Let's take some questions. Let's do some questions. Uh, so, anybody got any questions about what we do or what it's like or do you want to come down? How, how what we can do when you come down? Yes, uh, sir. Pastor Rob. Pastor Rob has a question. Yes. How do they have electricity in the village? Because I have a generator that I've brought in. That's how they have electricity. Now, when we arrived, the chief of the main village had a generator, and they watched football games on it. <laughs> Soccer, that's right, that's right. Soccer on it. Football. Real football, they would say. <laughs> um, and over the last five years, because the government's been giving money into the, into the families, pretty much each major family has bought a little generator. Uh, they use it mainly for helping with some food. Uh, they, they process a certain kind of food that, it's kind of like a corn shucker, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like a corn shucker and it, it chops up this root and they make this faena. they call it faena. it's kind of like a cornmeal. Um, but we have lights in the church because we have a generator. And so we're able to have nighttime services. Uh, other questions? Yeah, Joey. When you Good question. The missionary ladies before us had built a house there about ten years before we arrived. Yeah, about ten years before we arrived. And our house was the only house that had walls on it. Um, and since we've arrived there. I've done lots of maintenance on the house, and I put an indoor plumbing system in. We catch rainwater, and so I have an indoor shower and, well, heated shower. <laughs> I have an indoor heated shower. When now, the generator you, runs. You know, you don't really need hot water there, but you know when you catch the flu and you're chilling? Still, you need to take showers because we sweat so much. You have to take two showers a day, and then that's why I have a heated shower there. And we have an indoor uh, toilet and bathroom, and, and so it's really nice. <laughs> Melissa now comes into the village. For the first year and a half, I was the only one going into the village. And uh, so that's, uh, we have a house there. Yeah. Yes? The language that is flowing from the 
Yes. Do you believe in the, in the gift of tongues? I'm not talking about babbling on and on and on and on. I'm talking about being able to share and not be able to speak a language and the other people understanding. That's what it was. It was serious. That's what it was. We did our best to speak Portuguese. But if you take somebody that doesn't, who, who here speaks Spanish? Anybody know Spanish? All right. And so can you imagine taking somebody that's never spoken Spanish, writing it down on paper, and giving them the paper and telling them to read this? Would you be able to understand what they're saying? Not at all. And that's what we were doing. When we couldn't speak the language at all, I was writing full messages out word for word. In English. In English, having somebody in the city translated into Portuguese. At the time, I didn't know that there was the higher language and then the street language, all right, the uneducated language. And so my stuff was being translated up here. <laughs> and going in, and it's like using these and thous out of the King James Version, but, but talking to people that can only, uh, that have a lower uh, understanding. And... I'm reading it off the paper and don't even know how to pronunciate the words. And they were translated, the chief would translate it into a pudina, and they started growing immediately. Immediately. And I get into the city and go to preach at our church or being asked at various churches to preach. And I'd have somebody that's an actual translator translating my English to Portuguese and nobody's getting and understanding the messages. And I continue to try that because that's what pastors do. I mean, they preach. They, they go to churches, and when churches say, hey, can you come preach, you say, yes, I can. And, and it was about a year and a half, and I was frustrated. I was like, I don't get it, Melissa. It's not blessing that. The, the, these people, they just go to sleep on me in five minutes. And, uh, and we go into the village, and they were just, you know, they're glued. They're nonstop and growing. And so we kind of stopped preaching and in the city and we only work in the village now. I tried to teach um, English for a while, thinking, well, that's what American missionaries do. They go to a foreign country and they, you know, fill up their time with teaching people English because people want to learn English. But it was, came to the point where I'm like, I don't think God called me down here to teach English. I'm supposed to teach the Bible. So I have people that ask me to teach them English and I refer them on to a good friend that teaches English. And explain that to them. They're like, oh, okay. I'm like, but if you want to study the Bible, come on over. <laughs> you know, many times you look into your past and you can say, well, I believe God did this and God led us there and God did this. But in the moment, you're like, what should I do? And so kind of what we're talking about here, here's how it kind of went. You know, you, you're investing in areas. And a, and a pastor preaches to everybody. And then there's a few that are really drawing in close, you know, the leadership. And, and he invests everything into them. And so you're investing, 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 and the places that you see are producing the most results or the most dividends, then you focus in on that. And so that's what we're doing in the city. We were doing some outreaches in the city. I was preaching in churches, and we're, doing the, and we're noticing this one area is the only area that's really showing fruit. And so we pull back, pull back, pull back, and we're investing everything into the ministry in the interior. And this is what we knew we were called down to do. Yes. Okay. I will. Veronica, did you have a question? Yes. Do you want the 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 I'm the leader of a church answer, or do you want the I'm a man answer? Truth. When God showed me that I was going to be a, we were going to be missionaries in the jungle, I was super excited. I was ready to sell everything that day and go the next day. I had no idea where we were going. But as we lived in California, and I was surfing, you know, five times a week and, and enjoying the Southern California uh, lifestyle, if I could choose anywhere in the world to go minister, 
it wouldn't have been the Amazon jungle. <laughs> but knowing that God called us there, there was no question as to whether or not we were going to go. We were certain before we ever went. There was, we weren't just out fishing and looking for where the fish were. We knew what we were doing when we left. Um, all right, so uh, here a while back, I decided that we were going to try to do a project. I'm still not sure how it's all going to turn out because it's just kind of started. Um, the Indians have the Bible in, in their language in book form, but it rains and it's humid. And so anytime they have their Bible, they have to have it inside of a plastic bag if they go anywhere. And what will happen is even though, you know, they'll, they'll have it out here and they'll be reading it and something will happen they'll go do something and then it starts raining and the rain comes through their house and everything gets wet and ruined and so many of them have cell phones now they didn't six years ago many of them have cell phones they don't have any signal <laughs> so you know they don't have any signal but they have cell phones and so what I decided that should be done let's do this project uh, cell phones with that are smartphones or little tablet sized things that because Wycliffe who has the copyright to the Aputina language because the women were with Wycliffe gave that language over to um, Uversion Bible and so I download the Uversion Bible application and I can download the Aputina language and I have it right on the phone and so they know they they know they need to protect their phone all right and uh, and so they can, they have the, they're putting on Bible right there on their phone. And so I was doing this project. Uh, I had somebody from this church give us a phone, and that was the first phone that went out. Oscar has it now. And I have another one. I think I have three, two others right now. I haven't given them out yet, but that's a project. We're still taking them. What I was thinking was everybody's got like an Android tablet that their kids had they don't use anymore. I just need something that can hook to Wi-Fi that I can download the program and I can get it out to them. And so we were, we're in the process of taking donations of those kinds of things. Old, unblocked smartphones, fully functional. I think, well, if they're going to work as a cell phone down there, they need to be unblocked. If they're just going to be used as a tablet. A, a, a tablet, they don't need to be unblocked. Right. Yeah, that's the answer to that question. Uh, other questions? What do we eat? Where? They eat anything that moves, <laughs> except for snakes. Um, they they have this delicacy. They have these big spiders. And these spiders, not spiders, I'm sorry, not spiders, ants. These big ants, and they, they're like this big, and they got these big, huge claws on the front. And once a year, they, they get wings, and they start flying all over the place. And they run around, they pick all these things up, and they fill up these tubs with them, and they eat them. Um, I have not ever eaten one yet. They offered the, the one year I was there when they were in season, because it's only one time during the year. And I was like, man, I just ate, I'm full. <laughs> and, and I successfully got out of that one. But there's other times when you don't successfully get out of it. And um, so on the last trip, as you saw some photos, I ate caterpillar. Uh, we eat some turtle, um, monkey, you know, all kinds of stuff. They eat all kinds of animals. We try to prepare and we take food in for the family because their day is filled, the majority of their day is filled with trying to get food enough for everyone to eat. And so we don't want to go in and be a burden upon them, especially sometimes food is very scarce for them. So we take food in with us and we don't have a refrigerator there. So we've growing with our ability to prepare food that we can take that will last the whole time that we're there. We always buy fresh fruits and vegetables right before we go, but those don't last three weeks. <laughs> For me, what I've started doing is making beef jerky or smoking meat and then vacuum sealing it. And there, even if it's smoked, it goes bad in about a week. Because the humidity from the air comes back into Sucks the into meat it. that you've just already dried out. Even so though it's full of salt, it still goes bad. 
And so you, you vacuum pack it after it's been smoked and it's good for about two weeks. So that's good long enough that I can take it up in the village and we have meat the whole time we're up there for about two weeks. Other questions? Yes, Joey. Yes, there is. Um, we have a, I put together a list and I made it a, a wedding registry on Walmart and I did publish it on our Facebook. It did not go over very well um, because some of the things on the list are, you know, just things that we can't buy down there because we, we have some um, ministry items on the list. We have uh, Melissa homeschool. So we have uh, uh, schooling items on the list and we have personal items that we can't buy down there or it's way cheaper here and so you know I have paprika on there and um, Italian seasoning but we also have you know uh, stuff for ministry and homeschooling there but yes I do have a list I, I posted it on Facebook um, and there is more stuff on that's not on the list I think we're we're gonna get a list together for medical uh, like vitamins and supplements and things and uh, and other things too. Uh, if people felt so led to do anything with that, yes, we do need help with that stuff. Yes? How did we know where to go? No. The question is, when we went to Brazil, did we know where out in the jungle? No, I did not. We thought that we would get down there and we would seek the darkest, most unreached area, most inaccessible area, and then we would beat a path in there and God would open a door. And that's not how it happened. And we knew we were going to have to, once we got down there, I truly believed when we got there that God would give me the gift of tongues and I would be able to speak the, um, the Portuguese language quick. I truly believe that we would get there and in six months I would be fluent in Portuguese. I'm still not fluent. Um, and that didn't happen. So the first year and a half, the, you know, we were trying to study the language and God provided professors down there for us for free. And, but that's why we weren't going in the village. Now in that time, I was sharing this story with you um, the last few days up at the castle. Um, these two missionary ladies heard that we were in town and they contacted us, that we were with Wycliffe, and they were within walking distance from where we were living, and they were inviting me over because they were getting ready to sell their house as they were retiring, and they needed the walls fixed and the roof fixed and this fixed and the other thing fixed, and so I was fixing it uh, because I wasn't doing anything else besides studying language, and what I didn't know is that they were studying us, <laughs> seeing whether or not we were servants, and after a little bit of time, they came to us and they said, we believe God has shown us, we've been praying, that you are going to take over the ministry. Now at the time we had, in the Amazon jungle, it's behold, the fields are white for harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he sends more laborers into the field. Everybody needs help. So we were down there and we're trying to learn the language, but everybody's saying, hey, can you come over here? Hey, can you come over here? Hey, can you come into our ministry? And so I told the ladies, I said, well, God needs to speak to us too. And so we prayed and prayed, and, and that's how we got there. And, and God answered and said, yes, this is what you're going to go do. And that's, they were retiring, so we stepped in. And that's how we knew exactly where we were ended up at. Yes. One more thing. Before we end, can you share the story about getting lost last time? Yes, I can. <laughs> um, first off, there needs to be background. Six months of the year we have rain, six months it turns dry and doesn't rain. It doesn't do that for a whole six months, but it, it backs off until it doesn't rain for about a month, and then it, it rains more and more until it's raining just constantly. And so the river will go down 45 feet every year, and down into the banks, you have banks that are 30 foot high, and uh, higher than this, I don't know how high it is from this floor to there, huh? Yeah, as you say, it's way higher than this. You're way down in the river, and yet the river's 300 foot deep still. All right, it's not like, oh, it's shallow, you're gonna hit your boat on the bottom. Um, and the river's wide, right? Deep and wide, deep and wide. 
Um, it's deep and wide. But then uh, it rains and rains and rains, and it goes above the banks 15 feet. And so when the water's really high, you know, the river's not just four miles across anymore. Now it's 15 miles across. But, you know, it's way back into the jungle. That's why there's no um, bridges anywhere along the Amazon River. Um, and so when we got the ministry boat, we had been going up and down the river quite a bit, and the Indians would come out in a canoe and meet us at the main river and take us back up in there. But since we got the ministry boat, we take our boat up there. Now, when the water's really high, it's 35 minutes, and I can do it in the, in the pitch black and just full speed and, and right back up there where we need to go. But when the water's really low, you're hitting the bottom and you're pulling up the, you're pulling up the, uh, the prop, and sometimes you're out pushing the boat off off. Trying the, to find where it's deep again. Trying to find the it where it's deep because it's low and there's trees sticking up. And when you're and it's one in the morning when we get there. This is the thing. We get there at one a.m. and so it's pitch black, and you're the only one out there. You're in the middle of the jungle, and so I'm out in the boat pushing, and there's crocodiles. I mean, they're just everywhere, and it's like you, you're kind of like pushing with one foot in the boat, you know. <laughs> And uh, so on the last trip we get there, the water had raised about um, two meters. And so in the channel, it was probably 12 feet deep. But still, there's trees sticking up all over because we just come out of the dry season where things are growing. And you can't see the banks. You can't see where the, the actual creek channel goes. And, and when we got off the boat this time, we get into our boat. It was torrential rains at 1 a.m. And I got my flashlight, which is a pretty nice flashlight um, that, that shines out uh, 200 and some yards, really, really bright. And, um, but it couldn't shine out farther than from here to the wall because the rain was falling so hard. And so we try to get right up next to the shoreline and we're following the shoreline around and we know that it's gonna be about 40 minutes at this speed back to where we finally find a creek, and then we know where the creek goes. And 45 minutes pass, and I'm telling Melissa, something's not right. You know, we're, we had already gone to the other side, and we came back to the other side, and, and we're not finding the thing, and, and another 45 minutes pass. Two hours go by, and we realize we're back at the beginning. And it's 3.30 in the morning now. And I was like, Maybe we should just pull over and. Yeah, the kids were with us. Um, he was asleep. They were shivering because the rain. We're, we're getting soaked. He was motion sickness and was over the side of the boat. I don't know three times. Um, and I said maybe we should just pull over, tie onto a tree branch sticking out of the water, and wait a couple hours until sunup. And Melissa says, "Well, will Google Maps show the way?" Do you have a map or something? That's what I said. Do you have a map? Did your cell phone work? I've been into the village countless times. It doesn't work here. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. All it does is show us the time. But when you pull up Google Maps, it, it, it's like this, and then it says, unable to find, you know? And this time, all right, and she says, well, can you at least try? I said, okay, I pull it out here, look. Beep, beep, and there's the blue dot. Wow, we're right at the mouth of the lake. Do you think that it would work until we get where we're going? So we pop, 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 and just using the flashlight to make sure we aren't hitting anything, not looking for the shoreline and following the map. And when we got to the creek where it's absolutely, there's no problem finding the rest of the way, it quit working and didn't work the rest of the time we were in the jungle. God is good. Um, we have countless stories like that. Uh, another question from the girl in the back before we stop? No? Um, anybody else? Yes? How what? I didn't hear. How? They enjoy their time in the village because they go and play and they're free and... Um, they seem to overlook the bug bites and the slivers and the... <laughs> in the city, in like two days, you have to go out of the house. We have to stay cooped up in the house all day. 
And crocodiles and falling out of trees, yeah. Yeah, falling out of trees, stingrays, electric eels, yeah, only. <laughs> say a little prayer over them every time they head it's, out the door. It's better if you just say, in the village there's no problems. <laughs> there's no problems. Just full of fun. Lots of friends. Yeah, they, they leave in the morning and not come back until dark in the village. Yeah. Um, they communicate mostly in Portuguese still. Veronica has qu is quite gifted. gifted in language, and she's picking up some phrases and some words, and she spends more intimate. She has no problems going to a friend's house and spending the whole day there. So Josiah usually gets with a group of boys. She, he's not really in the house. I think they do more, hunting. Less, less talk, more play. Hunting and fishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on up here. Say a couple phrases for us. <laughs> right here. Say a couple phrases. What do you know? Um, manga means to laugh. <laughs> and there's a song that I know that is God is so good. Can you sing it? Can you sing it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you Good go. Job. <laughs> Good job. Good job. <laughs> okay, so I believe we have drinks straight from the Amazon jungle. Bade, which is a Guadana drink. I, it's like a soda. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. But it's made from a fruit that's in the jungle. It's Guadana. It's Guadana. Yeah, we did. We got yeah. it out here. And we've also got several different kinds of the fruit juices from the jungle. We, we brought have, straight up here. We have maracuja, which is passion fruit, and goyabada, which is um, guava. Guava. Uh, anything else? Just those and three. we have Brazilian coffee that's in the pot. Now, uh, you made some. Do we have any coffee to give out? We do. All right, so really we did bring some... Uh, uh, actual vacuum packed coffee from Brazil and it's really really good I think we've got about five or six bags back there so uh, oh, I have some candy don't, as well. don't pull hair out to get to it just know that you <laughs> might get some that you might not right and we have some candy some some coffee candy Brazilian coffee candy and some candy that's like homemade very traditional Brazilian that is cupuaçu flavor a fruit down there we would ask that uh, you pick up a bookmark. I believe we've got probably 75 or 100 back there of them. Um, we've got some of these. I think some are being printed up. They aren't here yet, though. But the ones we have out there on the table are Familia Miller, because these were printed up in Portuguese. But all of the vital information, the, the Facebook page, the, our web page, and our email is all on there. You'll be able to understand that. Um, pick these up. Use the bookmark. Put this on your refrigerator. And when you open the refrigerator, if you're like me, five times during the middle of the night, <laughs> pray for us when you open the refrigerator, all right? Pray for the people. I think that's it. Uh, we'll be out here for questions and answers and talk with the kids, ask them questions. Um, we're open. Any question you want to ask? Can we pray for you guys now? Yeah. Can we bring the whole family up? And we'll be here until March Come 5th. Coming. This trip is specifically... Veronica? to rest. And you guys brought us here. The church, Cumberland Calvary Chapel brought us here. Thank you. And so um, we Very are here much. to rest and that's what we're doing. We're focusing completely on rest. We'll be here pretty much the whole five weeks. And my family is going to be coming up next week from Kansas. Uh, so they'll be here for a few days. I don't, yeah, our kids will be here for the Sunday service on the 18th, I believe. Stand up, Ben. We have two older children that were down there with us, but then moved back. They have yeah. a granddaughter, daughter, granddaughter yes. that's going to turn one, and they haven't met her yet because they've been in Brazil, and their their older son and their his wife and the granddaughter are coming here to Cumberland for they can meet him or meet her. Sorry, he'll be here on the fifteenth through the twentieth. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and I, I talked to Brad just a little. Most of you guys may know this, but I talked to Brad on the phone probably five or six months ago. 
And uh, the Lord really put it on my heart to offer them a chance to come up and just, you know, it's been two years since they've been out of Brazil. And when you're down there in the ministry, you need that time away sometime. And, and, uh, and that's how we help them. So we brought them here to, to get some rest and they're staying with us. And, and I encourage you guys to get with them, ask them questions, uh, talk to the kids. Uh, they're going to be around here at our church uh, for the next couple of weeks. So let's pray for you guys. Father, we just come before you, and I thank you for their heart to serve you, Lord. Uh, what another testimony of, of you taking ordinary people and doing extraordinary things. Lord, the seven years of preparation in California, on down to the jungle without a clear plan, and yet you were faithful every step of the way. And you've brought them to a ministry, even now honing them to, the, to the, where you've called them by showing them fruit in some areas and not in others. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless their ministry that you continue to give them wisdom and direction in, in building and planting these churches uh, in the Amazon jungle. I pray that you give them safety. Lord, just, just watch over them and keep their families safe. Protect their children. Lord, so often when, when someone's in ministry, the children can be so vulnerable. I pray that you'd keep them in your love and not let them slip away, Lord. I just pray that they would be continue to walk faithfully with you. Lord, as they go out, as they spend the next couple of weeks, may they get the rest that they need and the encouragement and just be ready and recharged to go back to the ministry that you've called them to. May, you, may their focus be laser sharp and may you, know, they, may you provide for all the things that they need to, to go back to the jungle with. May you provide for their financial needs and, and all that they need. Lord, we just provide all that they have as they step out faithfully. Lord, we thank you for them being here in our fellowship. It's, it's wonderful to be able to spend this time with them and get to know them. Lord, I just pray that these relationships you build would be long-lasting. And just, Lord, if there's any more that we can do, would you just put it on all of our hearts to minister to them in any way that we can. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.